DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. Why priesthood matters. It is an essential gift that the Church has, and we receive that from the Sacrament of Holy Orders, don't we? Yes, it's an essential part of the Lord's plan for the, the life of the Church and His plan for how we are able to, to meet Him and experience the power of His resurrection in our own time and place. There is something very unique about those called to a diocesan priesthood. Could you talk to us about that? Most people experience uh, diocesan priests in their parishes and uh, in other ministries. There are uh, religious congregations of men. In many of those congregations, some of their members are, are priests. It's important to know that being a Franciscan or Dominican does not have an essential connection to the priesthood. So those um, orders were founded for a particular reason. They display a particular charism that was often very evident in the founder and in, in those who, who follow him. So in most religious congregations or religious orders, as they're, they're commonly called, there are some members who are also called to the priesthood as well as to the consecrated life and may serve as priests to, to um, minister to those within their community. But in many cases, again, as we would experience it, certainly in this country, there are, uh, they are also involved in more public apostolates that are sponsored by those congregations and they serve as, as priests there in, in schools perhaps or sometimes even in parishes. The call to the priesthood is experienced by most who are called as called to diocesan priesthood. In other words, to be a priest who is connected to the bishop and is not part of a religious congregation, part of the diocesan presbyterate, ordained by the bishop and then given a, a mission or an assignment by him, which he carries out in union with the bishop always. That's an interesting relationship, that one between the priest and the bishop. What's it like for you? It's an interesting relationship, all right? I've been on both sides of it. Of course, I was priest for 25 years before I became a bishop. It's an important and essential relationship. The Lord called the, the apostles, and we speak now of them being the first priests in the church. According to God's design, as the church grew, it grew and grew very quickly in its earliest days through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, through the witness of disciples, the, the apostles began to share their apostolic ministry with others who wouldn't have the rank of apostle, what we would say today bishop, but could carry out priestly functions in connection with the bishop. So there's an essential relationship between the ordained priest and the bishop, and the priest is able to carry out his ministry always with the authority, we might say, of the, of the bishop. 
So that there's a kind of an ecclesial relationship there that that's essential and very clear in one sense, but there's also a personal relationship because the priests are entrusted to the care of the bishop, we might say, to be their father, their brother, and it's taking into account the various talents and gifts and, and limitations. We all have those of the priests. The bishop works with, with the priest to see that the pastoral care, pastoral needs of the people are are met in the best way possible. Yeah, you really have to know your guys, don't you, and to understand them and to be able to assist them. Sure, it's it's important that the bishop knows his priests personally and that he is known by them. As I said, there's this relationship. In fact, you know, by ordination, relationship between the priest and the bishop. But it's uh, in very human pastoral settings that, that that relationship is lived out. So there are a number of formal and informal means to deepen and assist that relationship. So the we have a council of priests, for example, who meet regularly with the bishop to advise him on important pastoral matters, but also to be a point of connection between the, the bishop and his priests. There are priests are organized into deaneries or geographic areas. And so the dean, another point of connection between the priest and his geographic area and the bishop, and a source of good communication, we hope so that the needs and the concerns, uh, the joys of the priests in that area can be communicated to the bishop clearly. I think every bishop looks forward to the opportunities to be with either the whole presbyterate or with, with groups of priests, sometimes in formal settings, sometimes they're in, in informal settings. But either way, it, it's important that, that we be together and, and that we learn to know each other and to have confidence in each other. It's interesting when we talked about the, the different orders of types of priests, we come to understand that the Franciscans and the Dominicans are, are what they would call a mendicant type of orders. They take vows of poverty. Or we're familiar with that. Are there particular vows or a disposition of character that is expected of a diocesan priest? Sure, but diocesan priests don't take vows in the sense that somebody in a religious congregation would do, but they make promises to the bishop, and those are part of ordination ceremony. So diocesan priests promise obedience and respect uh, to the bishop, both the bishop that ordains them, but also his successors. So whoever their ordinary, their superior would be. Priests promise to pray the liturgy of the hours, so they take on that. Those commitments are made by deacons as well at the time of, of the ordination of diaconate. They're renewed at the time of priestly ordination. And then most of the time in the in the Latin church, diocesan priests promise to remain celibate. So they will not marry and make that commitment at the time of, again, of ordination to, to the diaconate if they're transitional deacons. And that, again, that uh, in, endures through their priestly life. What do you see as a bishop, the importance of celibacy in the life of a diocesan priest? Well, as I said, it's a long tradition in the Latin church going back many, many centuries. And uh, it's not essential, an essential part of the sacrament of holy orders, but it is a discipline in the Latin church over all these years where the in imitation Christ himself and, and really in response to the Lord's invitation and in response to the grace that's given to someone who's called to a life of celibacy, the man being ordained uh, commits himself to, to be dedicated to the church, to be a spouse of the church, we might say, in imitation of Jesus configured to him. It's a, a rich part of our tradition, and most priests, I think, find that it is a, a very rich and fulfilling life. It has its challenges, as you would know, and any other married person would know. The married vocation has its challenges. Following Jesus faithfully along any path to which he invites us has its challenges. He tells his disciples that we have to take up the cross daily. So in every vocation, in every state of life, there's a, a dying to self. 
and being open then to allowing the Lord to fill us up. It's a rich part of the experience of most diocesan priests in this country, even as we say, it's not an essential characteristic of the sacrament of holy orders. Now that feeding the spiritual life of the priest, as you said, one of the promises is to engage in the liturgy of the hours, kind of help foster and encourage that life of prayer, which is at the heart of his ministry, isn't it? It's important for all of us in ordained ministry. Other people can join in this too, of course, but we make the promise at ordination to pray the liturgy of the hours. That's a prayer of the church. Again, an, an ancient prayer of the church, it consists primarily of the Psalms, other scriptures, and prayers. And it's divided up so that it can be prayed, should be prayed at different times during the day. It's a way of pausing uh, throughout the day. Again, in the life of a diocesan priest, it can be a pretty busy day to pause from, from time to time and to you know, put aside the particular projects we might be working on and allow ourselves to be reminded that we're participating in God's project and that our vocation is, is from God and all we do is really to give honor and glory to him and to serve his, his people. The Liturgy of the Hours reminds us of that. It's an opportunity for us to pray for, the, for our own people, the ones we serve directly, but also for the church and for the world. We have time during the Liturgy of the Hours to become a little more recollected Essentially, it's an opportunity to give the whole day to the Lord and to acknowledge that all that we do in ordained ministry, we do as instruments of the Lord's saving mission. It is extraordinary, the diversity in just in the diocesan priesthood of the various areas in which you could serve, whether it's in a rural community where you may have two or three parishes you you drive between to try to serve, or it's in a mega parish where there's thousands and thousands of parishioners. Right. There is a, a great diversity. So happily, the Lord calls a diverse group of men to the priesthood and, and people who have, have a diversity of gifts and who are willing to, to cultivate those gifts and even learn new gifts and, and new pastoral skills. I think it's the, the experience of most dioceses in this country these days that you might have rural parishes, urban parishes. There are, are a variety of cultures economic and social particularities of, of different parishes and, and communities. It's important for a priest who's sent to a particular parish to take the time to get to know the people and let them know him. And then I think most of us have the experience when we take on a new assignment that there's some new skills that we may have to learn or some pastoral practices that we might have been acquainted with that we have to dust off. Maybe we haven't, haven't used recently. But our, our people, if we allow them to, will really communicate to us what they, they need from us. Not every priest can fulfill every pastoral assignment. We're not just interchangeable parts. So we do our best to, to try to match the, the temperament and the, the skills, the ability of, of the priest to the, the needs of the parish or maybe another apostolate. You know, we have there's schools involved, there sometimes there are hospitals or, or nursing homes. There can be a variety of, of other works that attach to the to a pastoral assignment. Each of those places demands on the life and the ministry of the priest. Each of them is an opportunity for him to invite the skills and the faith of others in the parish to be of, of assistance so that those needs can be met. Yeah, it is interesting that for the parish, it's often referred to as the parish family. And so in a very real way, the priest becomes the pastoral father, as it were, to those that he's serving in that family. We have the custom in our culture to call the priest father. And um, it's a beautiful title. 
really, and it is a reminder to him and, and to the people that he sent, you know, as a pastor, but also a spiritual father uh, to them. And he's invited to love his flock, to love his parishioners as the Lord himself does. So there are a number of images, you know, that, that we can use for that relationship between the pastor, the parish priest, and uh, and his people. Yeah, I'm thinking of some of the priests that I've known over the years. Think of one in particular, Monsignor Peter Dunn, who served well over 60 years as a priest and who really felt that because of his ordination that something changed for him. The particular mark of who he was as a priest could never go back to anything else. And that, that indelible mark is part of that reception of grace, isn't it? Yes, I knew Monsignor Dunn, and I know he felt that way, but it was more than a feeling. So it, uh, we know that there is this indelible character that's imparted to the man who is ordained. And it, so it's a particular configuration that touches him at the level of his being, of, of his identity, who he is. And so, there, yeah, there's no going back from that. That's an internal spiritual mark, our, our character. It's on the level of our relationship with the Lord and the church. The priesthood has lived out, of course, in a variety of practical ways. Those can vary and change over the life of a man's priestly service. But that configuration to Christ uh, through ordination remains. You know, as the archbishop for this particular diocese, I think you could also speak for bishops, for all those who might be listening to your words today. What would you ask of the laity in relationship to their priests? I mean, what would you hope that they would provide in support or anything else when it, in regards to those men who come to them to serve them? That's a good question. Um, priests and people need to work together to, to build up the kingdom of God. And I often say when I come to a parish to install a new pastor that uh, I'm entrusting the pastor to the people, sending him. He's coming on a mission, but really he can't do anything really by himself and shouldn't try. So he needs the support and the help, the prayers of the people. The people need a good pastor, and the pastor needs to pour out his life for them day by day. But really, I see that the Lord is entrusting them to one another, priests and and people, to to care for each other and to help each other uh, get to heaven. So we're on on our pilgrim way. The priest has a unique role of leadership and service in the parish, but the Lord values each of those whom he has called, each person for whom he has died. So we continue on our pilgrim way, and we don't want to lose anybody. So the people need to watch out for each other, take care of each other in the, in the best sense of, of that term, and, and also support the pastor with their prayers, with their encouragement, challenge him when that seems necessary. We do that charitably, always, we hope, to offer feedback. And priests themselves, the good pastors, solicit feedback and surround themselves with people in the parish who know their fellow parishioners and who have gifts that they can bring to serve the church. More and more, I think we're seeing that it's important for a a pastor to invite lay leaders forward from from the parish to help form them and then to allow them to to work with him to affect a spiritual renewal in the parish. Every disciple of Jesus is commissioned by him to preach the gospel and to share the light of the gospel with others to make disciples as, as he gave us before he ascended into heaven. Jesus gave us that commission to make disciples. So that responsibility belongs in different ways to everybody in the parish, not just to the parish priest. He has a unique role there, but we're all in it together. And when we see um, vibrant parishes 
really focused on life of discipleship. It's usually where their leadership of a good pastor and a collaborative effort between him and many other leaders in the parish. Yeah, there is a real need for us to be able to pray for our priests, especially those who are pastors of parishes, because we may not realize for some of the parishes, I would say it's true even in smaller rural parishes, Yes, absolutely. The focus is on the celebration of the sacraments, but in many cases, there's schools to run, there are facilities to maintain, there's there's so much more in the life of a parish than we may realize. Yeah, there's there's a lot of details, a lot of good people to help with those things, and it's up to the to the priest to to, uh, to take advantage of that. But I can't uh, overemphasize the importance of of our people praying uh, for their parish priests. You know, the, the devil tempted Jesus in the desert. The devil wanted to kind of throw him off of his mission. And so we can imagine that anyone who's configured to Jesus, the devil would like to try that same same thing on us. So priests are tempted, as everybody is, but because of the importance, the essential role, really, of a priest in our Catholic community, we want to pray that he can keep his heart set on the Lord and keep his trust in him and be able to face the temptations, you know, which may be maybe involve moral issues, but often are temptations to to fatigue or or to anger or frustration. We all have those things. So the support of prayerful people is really essential in, in the life of every priestly vocation. Mm. Yet being kind and understanding sometimes, sometimes we're harder on Father, as if I can say that, because we expect so much more from him. And yet we, we don't want to uh, give him the option or the opportunity to be as human as we are sometimes. Right. Yeah, we have to work all that out in individual situations. The priests are human, of course. Jesus has a human nature, but it, he wasn't subject to the foibles that, that uh, so many of us have. By and large, our people see and sense if their parish priest is really dedicated to them, wants to be with them, wants to serve them. And uh, I find you know people to be very, very patient and, and understanding. Because we're part of a human community, we get we get short-tempered, get on each other's nerves, get frustrated sometimes. So the hope is we can, uh, in Jesus, we work through those things, come to a, a deeper respect and a deeper understanding. Um, but uh, the love for Jesus, the focus on the mission of the church, those things are they're important for the priest, but also important for the parish community. I think there may be a particular paradigm that would help us, I think, as laity, to appreciate that, yes, there are certain tasks, there's jobs, there's work that a priest undertakes, but it is not a job, it's a vocation. And it's a calling that we didn't experience. Supporting that and praying for that, it's a, it's a gift really in the end to us as laity. Yeah, that's true. We, we never, either as priests ourselves, we don't want to reduce ourselves to functionaries and we don't want our people to see us that way. Or try to push us into that, into that way of of living our our ministry. So there are certain we have certain responsibilities and certain tasks have to be done every day, and there's a, a way to carry that out using our own gifts and then relying on on the help of of many other people. But the uh, the priest himself is a living sacrament, having been configured to Jesus in his person. He's a sacramental representation of the Lord at the head of of the community of believers. So having a, a priest in our parish, configured to Jesus, standing there in the person of, of Jesus, we say, helps orient the parish to, to Christ. And because the priest is connected to the bishop and the bishop to, to the universal church, to, to the Holy Father, it helps keep us Catholic. 
to to be connected to our our priest, not just to have a priest, but to you know have the the, the determination to to uh, live in harmony with him and, and with his leadership, as he has the responsibility to give good leadership to the people that he sent to serve. Well, in whatever role he may serve that diocese or where, wherever he may be, and even in, in orders, his priesthood really doesn't end, does it? I mean, you you can't retire from the priesthood, can you? Can't retire from the priesthood. You can retire from certain ministries. And the usual experience is that when our priests who have been involved in parish ministry, for example, get into their senior years, that they will often give up the administration of a parish or a school, whatever their work, work might have been. But they continue to both to be priests and, in my experience, all continue to serve as priests to the extent their health will allow them to do it. In this archdiocese, we benefit from the ministry, the experience, the the, the pastoral care of, of our of our retired priests, and even those who aren't able to be so active in terms of going to parishes to, to celebrate mass or, or hear confessions, that they remain priests, and so even if they're limited in terms of their physical abilities, their ability to get around, they can pray, and accepting the limitations and the sufferings that sometimes come with illness or with with advanced age is itself still a life in Christ and, and a beautiful way of giving oneself to the Lord. It's a priestly ministry that remains very fruitful, even if not in the same way as you might see it when someone is, is an active pastor. You know, again, addressing the laity, I've heard it said from priests that sometimes people put them on such a pedestal that they'll enter into a parish and they will sometimes feel isolated because people are afraid to approach them. And yet they really cherish those times when someone will invite them over for a meal or children will bring them cards on on Father's Day of all days. It, it means a lot when the people can nurture the relationship as well. Yeah, there's a man inside that black suit. That, uh, and so the priest has uh, human needs and also human gifts for affection and, and connection uh, with others. It's up to the priest when he's assigned to, to a parish to get to know his people. We do that in, in different ways. We hope people are open to, to being known and, and again, are hospitable and, and welcoming. And in so many cases, they are. But the shepherd needs to know the flock and the flock, the shepherd, in order for this plan of, of Jesus to be lived out in a fruitful way, practically, in particular parishes. I'm going to ask you a, a strange question. What would Archbishop George Lucas say to the young seminarian George Lucas? <laughs> that is a strange question. Um, ah, good. I, um, I, I think I would say to him, don't be afraid. I remember as a seminarian, even as, as a young priest, and still sometimes just too often worrying about my own abilities to um, do a particular job, carry out a particular responsibility. It's when I worry too much about myself and don't rely enough on the Lord, that's when I kind of get stalled, I would say, in my spiritual journey and in pastoral life. The grace of God is, you know, has been available in abundance, and the people of God have been instruments of grace to me in, in so many ways. What would you say to that man out there who may feel he has a calling to this vocation? That he can't, he can't put his finger on what it is, but he just feels like he's got a tug on his heart. I'd give the encouragement that Pope Benedict XVI gave to us about, uh, about priestly vocations, that the important thing to do is to get to know the Lord, 
to, to be with him in, in prayer. And the more that we get to know him, clearer we'll be able to understand what his call is, what his plan is for us. So if there's a, a young man who's sensing, feeling some kind of a tug in the direction of the priesthood, a, a call to the priesthood, to bring that to the Lord, to spend time in, in prayer, certainly there are many priests who would be happy to have a conversation with you. I think just as, as you asked me the question about what I would say to a younger version of myself, it can be important for us when we're young to hear somebody say, don't be afraid to explore this, to, to look at it. And, and they say that from the confidence of having lived that, that vocation. None of us can do it perfectly, but, but to have you know, done it uh, joyfully, fruitfully in, in so many ways. The exploration of a call to the priesthood is nothing to be afraid of. And we've got wonderful seminarians in the church these days who are a great example to uh, other young men that there's a way in to the priesthood, a way to respond to this call. And the understanding of the call and the confidence in responding to it, those things grow as, as we move along in formation if, if the Lord's call is, is really being given to us, if we you know, come to a sense that that's authentic. The church is only strengthened when discernment occurs in the hearts of each of us and particularly those men who are being called maybe to the priesthood, just the fact that they've discerned what it is God is asking them to do, it can only strengthen the church regardless of whether they become a priest or active layman out in the world. It's, it's really true. Every person in the Catholic community who is open to understand God's will in their life, open to the invitation of, of Jesus and trying to discern what that is and, and how to follow it, that, uh, that discernment, that, that determination to respond to the Lord does strengthen the fabric of the church. It strengthens the body of Christ. So, again, we're not functionaries. It's not just a matter of, okay, if I do something, that'll make the church better. But if I am more deeply in touch with Jesus and more open to the promptings of, of the Holy Spirit, then that makes the church stronger and, uh, and richer. And then the, the Lord himself draws us to, to the place where we need to be and gives us the gifts that we need to carry out what he's asking us to do. Well, we appreciate your thoughts on the priestly vocation. And uh, any final thoughts today, Archbishop Lucas? Um, I want to say thanks to um, all of the priests in this archdiocese, but uh, everyone who's been called to the priesthood and who, who's responding uh, so, so generously. The fruitfulness of, of your ministry is, is evident in so many ways. I um, pray for priests every day and uh, pray for the priests of this archdiocese particularly. I also ask the Lord every day to send more to join them um, and encourage our, our people to, to pray for the vocations that, that we need uh, for the priesthood, uh, for the, uh, the future of our parishes and, and of our families. Thank you so much, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith 
with Archbishop George Lucas. <laughs>